We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brian, Mike Denbrock in line to be the next offensive coordinator at the University of Notre Dame. For people that don't know him, and you should because he's been at Notre Dame multiple times in the past, he just orchestrated the number one offense in college football this past year at LSU. Did a tremendous job under Luke Fickle at Cincinnati previously as well with a very good offense that averaged over 37 points per game his final year at Cincinnati as well. Potential big news on the horizon here, obviously, with Mike Denbrock. No, it, it, it's big, Ryan, and, and how this has changed. I mean, I, I've got a backstory on how this went down on the message board. You'll have to read that to kind of see it all. But essentially, there's a couple things that we can say right now that are flat out 100% true. Number one, the minute that Jared Parker was leaving Notre Dame, this was your number one target on offensive coordinator. Now, there was another name that we talked about, Kirby Moore, that was part of the conversation as well that Notre Dame liked a lot as, also because initially – you know, I'm trying to get the full story on this, but initially it didn't sound like Mike Denbrock loves Marcus Freeman and all that, but it, it, I don't know that there was this immediate, I want to leave LSU, right? Like he, we've talked about this before, long, decades long relationship with Brian Kelly, was in Brian Kelly's yep. wedding. As coach yep. with Brian Kelly now, two different stops. They've had a lot of success together. Obviously this season with a Heisman Trophy winner and the number one offense in the country, 2014 to 2015. Uh, with Dan Brock as the OC on those teams. You know, you saw a ton of success on those teams. And I, there's this thing going around there that Dan Brock wasn't the play caller in 2015 and 16. Yes, he absolutely was. 2016, Mike Samper was given a lot more say and control, which is part of the reason that was a, a, a dumpster fire. But Mike Dan Brock was absolutely in control of the Notre Dame offense in 2015. And yep. and so, you know, when you when you look back at, at his tenure, what he did at Cincinnati, you know, this is a guy that, walking away from LSU wasn't easy. He's got a wife who likes it down there. You know, he's obviously he's got his kid and all those type of things. This was not an easy decision. And he had already agreed to an extension with LSU that was going to make him over. My understanding is over $2 million. And so the relationship was three Yeah, go ahead. And he had just turned down Texas A&M where he was reported to make $2 million a year as well. Well, It was actually more than that. I was told the A&M offer was almost two and a half million. And he turned yeah. it down to yep. take less money to stay at LSU. If that gives you any indication on Mike Dembrock just isn't what, looking to get out of LSU, right? This isn't a thing yep. where he didn't like it there. He didn't like Brian Kelly. It's not that at all. And, and as I said, he took a pay cut from what AM was offering because he was happy at, to, at, at LSU. Notre Dame is different from Mike Dembrock. This is the third time Mike Dembrock will have been a coach at Notre Dame. He was a coach yep. from 02 to 04, coach tackles tight ends. And then, of course, was a coach here from 2010 to 2016. And and so this is a guy that understands what Notre Dame is about. I think he fits at Notre Dame very well. He knows that. And, of course, the relationship with Marcus Freeman played a bigger role in this too, right? Because they obviously coached together for four seasons at Cincinnati from 2017 to 2020 and and did a great job building up that program with Coach Freeman running the defense, Coach Dembrock running the offense. So he's very familiar with, with what Mike Dembrock does. And and so that, that, that this is obviously this was your number one target. Second thing it says, 
And I'll just say, I'll just put it like this. There's obviously a perception about what Notre Dame does or doesn't do as far as committing to the program. And, and we've talked about things in the past, but like, look, you can put all that aside. I don't care what the past is. And all, I'm talking about right now, right now, there is no question with the Lauren Landau hire and the Mike Denbrock hire that Notre Dame had a money is no object view of this. Coach Freeman, tell us what you need to go compete for a championship and we'll go get it done. That's what I've been told by multiple people. Because like Lauren Landau is not a name that a lot of us knew anything about. But as sure. I've talked to people, and I think, Ryan, I, I believe you've talked to people as well that are in that in that world of strength conditioning. This is yep. a big name, a big name. Now, he's not into the team stuff. But like yep. if you're a big time, if you want to be a first NFL draft pick, if you're an NFL player trying to get the best training in the offseason – this is the dude you go to. We've talked about some of the names. Christian McCaffrey, yep. Peyton Manning, Von Miller, guys like that. And, and he's in the private sector making a lot of money. You not only have to commit to paying him, but there's a lot of things that he wanted that also Marcus Freeman wants that are going to require a, a substantial financial commitment beyond just what you're going to pay him and likely an expanded strength team, right? Sure. Same thing here. I'll be shocked if Mike Denbrock's not the highest paid offensive co coordinator in college football when he signs his contract with Notre Dame, if it hasn't already been signed. Shocked. What a world, I think right man. now the most is $2.1 million. I'll be shocked if Mike Denbrock's not making more than that this next season. And so Notre Dame, was Ryan, was just like, look, what do we got to do to go out yeah. there and, 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 and get the best of the best? And, and Marcus Freeman said, I'll go get it. And he didn't say this directly, but like this is, I'll go find it if you'll pay for yeah. it. And Notre Dame was like, done. That's what happened. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Factor has been a great friend of the Driscoll household this month. Not only are we super busy with work and everything going on with Notre Dame football, we're also dealing with a house remodel. And even thinking about cooking stresses me out, which is why I'm so thankful we found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals that can be on your plate in minutes. It has literally saved me hours of prep, cooking, and cleaning time during an incredibly busy season for us. And their fresh but and never frozen meals got delivered right to my doorstep, which also saved me plenty of shopping time. On top of that, the flavor is outstanding. Whether it's the chicken taco bowl I had for dinner last night or my personal favorite so far, which is a filet over a mushroom risotto, I'm eating healthy meals but not sacrificing flavor. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holiday. You can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals that also support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, keto, protein plus, and more. Head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off today. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com irish50 to get 50% off, definitely give it a try. We did, and we love it. What a, what, a, what a difference of a year compared to where we are now. 
I mean, literally, Brian, we're sitting here last year. Do you remember when the Andy Ludwig stuff happens, right? Where then you obviously pivoted to, to Jared Parker and the big thing that was out there from other fan bases. Cause I think most people actually understand that Notre Dame has a lot of money. <laughs> like it's money's not an issue there, but there was like this big thing that was out there. This, this, whatever, this statement that Notre Dame's hurting for money. People would say that, right? Like, Oh, they can't, they can't afford the buyout. They can't do this. Yes, Notre Dame or they can. Were unwilling to spend it. Right. Right. Unwillingness and not having the ability to do are much different things. And I think that this is a great potential hire for Notre Dame. And we'll talk about him as a as a offensive coordinator and why it's big in that capacity. But one big thing that we need to talk about is that this is a great showing by Notre Dame to say, like, hey, guys, we're here to play, man. And money is we're not an object. It, and we're, we're here to, to be here. Yeah, this is just how it, it should be. You always talk about, like, the supports that should be around Notre Dame that should be better than anyone in college football. This is proof that there's a little bit of buy-in, obviously, moving forward. You want the best offensive coordinator potentially in college football? You want a guy that just orchestrated 46-plus points per game last right. year in LSU? We'll open up the checkbook for you, man. We'll get him down here. And I think that's a great sign of things in the future. And I also make sure this wasn't just a money deal for Mike Denbrock. It's not. It's He was very comfortable and liked it at LSU. He also loves it at Notre Dame. But in order to make that move, uproot your wife, uproot your kid, uproot your family, you know, place that you're trying to build something. You just won a Heisman, you know, had a Heisman Trophy winner there. In order to do that, you've got to make it worth as wow. What kind of commitment are you guys willing to make? You know what I mean? Because Mike Dembrock loves Notre Dame, but but lots of people love Notre Dame. You know, like I love Notre Dame. If they offered me a job paying me X amount of dollars, it wasn't anywhere close to what I'm making now. I'd be like, love you guys, but no, I'm not doing that. I have a family to take care of. I have a job that I love very much. I would never take a job in Notre Dame. It's making a point, right? And and so this is this is more than just money. This isn't Mike Dembrock didn't want to leave, but he just couldn't say no to the money. Th- th- it was a guy where he he's very fond of both places he was at. I, I'm not going to come on here and be like, oh, he hated Brian Kelly and he thinks LSU sucked. None of that's true. He loved it at LSU. From everything I've been told, he has a. Gr- you don't have the the 30 plus year relationship with Brian Kelly. He's coached with him actually now three times because I for, I forgot yeah. to mention the Grand Valley State. They coached together at Grand Valley State. There's clearly a relationship there. You don't just walk away from that just because you're getting paid top dollar. It's also because you're going somewhere yeah. where I also know that head coach and there and and I have a great relationship with that head coach and I believe when he's trying to do at a place whose mission is very similar to why I'm a football coach, which is it's not just yeah. about winning, winning and losing is important, but it's also about we're here to develop young people. He knows that Marcus Freeman believes in that. He knows Notre Dame believes in that. And uh, and again, he's a Michigan native, so this is a lot closer to home yeah. as well. Well, so I had actually, I didn't even tell this to you, Brian. So I'm not allowed to say the name on the podcast, but I have a connect at LSU in a certain department that is close to the football team. We'll leave it at that. Okay. And this was a surprise to some down there. Cause to your point, he was comfortable there, man. He liked it down there. Hey, as an offensive coordinator, you got all that skill talent to work with. It's awesome, right? You have all this a, a support system around you from like a money conversation, right? Like there's a lot going down there at LSU to be a very attractive job, obviously. And he was comfortable and he, he is a friend of Brian Kelly. So all that, so it actually took some people at LSU a bit by surprise. But another thing that he said was Mike Denbrock is getting a little bit older. He's probably close to retirement and he is a northern guy so he wanted to get back to his northern roots and this i mean this could be the last stop at notre dame potentially like the last coaching stop could be at notre dame potentially that's what makes this so interesting because i mean is there a head coaching opportunity that could come that he would maybe want to consider and then that's his final maybe maybe i don't want to sit there and say like he's going to retire at notre dame i don't want to speak for coach denbrock in that regard but i think there's something to that right he's 59 years old and he's not a guy that's necessarily had a deep desire to just jump around all the time. That's why he stayed at Notre Dame as long as he did the the second time. It's why he stayed at Cincinnati for as long as he did. And, I mean, the, the reason he left Cincinnati was Brian Kelly got a the job. And, and he was – I mean, if Brian Kelly doesn't get hired at LSU, Mike Denbrock's still coaching at Cincinnati the next couple of years until Luke Fickle leaves, and then who knows what he would have done. So uh, – I just want to make sure that that, that there's going to be a lot of dunking on Brian Kelly today, and and I'm all for that in some regard. But this isn't a situation where 
there was anything negative about Brian Kelly. I mean, clearly Brian Kelly was willing to give him a nice pay raise and, and coach Denbrock agreed to that pay raise. Now the board of trustees, you could argue maybe they dropped the ball a little bit, but that only impacts the buyout. Right. Like, cause like when the go, when Notre Dame's negotiating with Mike Denbrock, they're not negotiating against what his current salary was, which I believe was like about 1.4, 1.5 million. They're negotiating mm-hmm. against what his extension is going to pay him. Right. Which I would imagine is probably around 2 million, maybe a tad less, yeah. maybe right around there. It's going to be around there. And, and so that's the number you're negotiating on that. What benefits Notre Dame is the buyout is going to be off of the old contract, not the new right. one. Since it right. wasn't, it wasn't uh, signed by the board of trustees, then it's not, that's not a binding contract at this point in time. So that part I would imagine helps Notre Dame out quite a bit, but at the end of the day, I was told that basically if Mike Dembrock wanted to come to Notre Dame, it, it, money wasn't going to be the reason he chose not to. It was going to be because yeah. he just chose not to. And and just initially, I think he was leaning yeah. towards staying. And so props to Coach Freeman because this was part of partly a recruiting job. You know, sure. it, it wasn't like he had to be convinced to come to Notre Dame. It was more about, you know, like you've, you've got to feel really good about where you're going to, in order to leave behind what he left behind. And, right. and again, a, a comfortable situation. They're recruiting some very good players there and – and again, that relation with Brian Kelly can't be discounted. I mean, guys, we we may have our feelings about Brian Kelly, and and I know that Mike Denbrock hasn't always agreed with every decision Brian Kelly's made, but there's a respect there between the two of them, sure. That that you well, can't deny. You you don't get fired by someone and then go back to them if there's not a good relationship. Yeah, and, and him getting <laughs> right, fired was not something Mike M- M- Brian Kelly was overly happy about. Sure. Like it wasn't like Brian Kelly. Like Brian Kelly didn't throw Mike Denbrock under the bus after 2016 and use him as a scapegoat. That's not how that firing went down. It was more of a, I I have no choice. I mean, he literally had no choice. You know what I mean? And so that that's the thing is like it wasn't a typical, hey, you're not get, getting the job done. You got to go type of firing. And again, I want to make sure that that we'll have our fun dunking on Kelly, but I also want to make sure that we're, when when we talk about facts, that we're being accurate in those facts and post 2016, when he, when he did get let go, it was not a, a typical firing in that Brian Kelly was unhappy with the job. Mike Denbrock was doing. It was, we went four and eight. And this is kind of the demands that are on me as the head coach, as far as what needs to happen next. And that's kind of what it went down. So that that's why you would see him willing to go back to LSU despite what happened in 2016. And uh, yep. and I'm sure there were some conversations about that, right? And that's probably why Mike Denbrock got a pretty big pay raise to go from Cincinnati to LSU, right? But uh, but but at the end of the day, we can talk about the process. I think we, we've put a good handle on that. There's something on the message board about that, which, as you said, Ryan, not only did we yeah. have that news out very early this morning, but we also put I put a backstory up on the message board. Just two more reasons why you need to be on the message board, everybody. But the big thing is, is this is a let's let's focus on the now. This is a huge move. It's a yes. statement move. It's a move that says this was the best offense in the country, the most explosive move. offense in the country. They averaged 8.5 yards per play. The last team to average over eight yards per play was the 2018 Oklahoma team. And I've had conversations, but well, you know, they just played street ball. Guys, you do not score 46 points a game. You do not have 547.8 yards per game and 8.5 yards per play if you're just playing street ball. That is not right. how football works. Right. That is not how football works. And and so this is a I mean, this was a big, big deal. Ryan, this is a big, big deal. Mike, and, and it, the other thing too is this: you just look at the success Mike Denbrock's had at a lot of other places, and we'll go over that here in a little bit. But this is a statement move. You just you just hired the guy that led the best offense of college football this past year. Yeah, forty six point four points per game, five hundred forty seven point eight yards per game, eight point five yards per play. Like yeah. this was a statement move. And and here's the other thing: it's not just about going and getting the best mind in college football. It's more so about this guy knows how to coach and develop young people. That yes. is important to Marcus Freeman. It's why it's it's a big reason. Like, look, he's not hiring guys that can't coach, but he's making sure the guys that he's getting that can coach are in, in emphasize we're developing young men. That's that's why Mike Brown was the guy. And here's the other thing is I've I was told this from the very beginning, even when it was looking like Kirby Moore was going to be the, the guy that Mike Dembrock was Freeman's number one target this offseason. And the reason they shifted to Kirby Moore was more about just not thinking that Dembrock was going to ultimately come and making sure you had your bases covered. 
but he never stopped going after Coach Denbrock. This was his number one target. Mike Brown yep. was the only receiver target. There was literally nobody else in the conversation when they hired Mike Brown. Marcus Freeman is going to this offseason with a very much a sense of purpose. And he's setting his eyes on He's like, we're going to go get it done. And it's not just bringing in very good football coaches. There is, it is, if there's any, any more clear sign that Marcus Freeman was unhappy with how this season went, not just the product on the field, but the manner in which certain things were going into the product on the field, you can just look at the way he's handled these two coaching hires. And people say, yeah. oh, and his hiring buddies and all that kind of stuff. Fine. Okay. Because the last I'll two t- times Mike Brock and, and Mike buddy. Brown were together, they went 22 and two, made the Peach Bowl, lost to Georgia by three, and made the playoff and lost Alabama in the playoff. You know what I mean? I, so I'll take that. It, it, I'll take those. If buddies. this is. If this is a buddy, I will be okay with it because you know yes. what I know just happens with Mike Denbrock the last two years at, at LSU, Brian. We could talk about the numbers. You know, you mentioned over 46 points per game, eight and a half yards per play. Crazy numbers this past year. Mm-hmm. But you know what he also did? He took some broken parts and made them better as well at LSU. Jaden Daniels, go look at his career arc at Arizona State. Started nice went way down over his next two years, okay? He comes to LSU, first year, very good. Second year, Heisman. He fixed Jaden Daniels. Call it what it is. He made, he helped to get Jaden Daniels to reach his potential. He did that. Malik Neighbors. I don't know what Malik Neighbors was doing two years ago. This past two years, though, he's been fantastic. Right. He's been phenomenal. What they got right. out of Brian Thomas this year, incredible. Really good stuff. That LSU offense was in a bad spot before Mike Denbrock got there. Bad spot. Yeah. And he turned them into the well, best offense in college football in two years. That's what he did. Let's dive into that a little bit, Ryan, and just kind of talk about the success that Mike Denbrock has had. Because if if at 59 years old, the first time he had done something like this was this year with Jaden Daniels, you could say, you know what? Like, and and we've seen that before, where you just get the right players and you just everything just kind of goes right and you strike gold. But let's let's just kind of work from the beginning. First offensive coordinator job for Mike Denbrock was in 2014. He took over a Notre Dame team that in the three previous years had failed to score 30 points per game in each of the three previous years under Brian Kelly. They were 29.2 in 2011. Actually, the first the four years under Brian Kelly, they'd failed to yep. score over 20 uh, to, to get to 30 points a game. And if you actually let's actually kind of look at this here, Ryan, because I want to be very, very specific here. In 2010, Notre Dame scored. Let's go here. Scored 26.3 points per game, 29.2 in 2011, 25.8 in 2012, and 27.2 in 2013. In his first year as the offensive coordinator, Notre Dame scored 32.8 points per game. In year two, they were at 34.2 points per game. In year three, they were 30.9. But I have some asterisk numbers for 2016 because I take out the hurricane game as well because that was just such an absurd game. But if you take out the hurricane game, Notre Dame was at 33.5 points per game that year in a year where otherwise was a disaster. They were losing games 38 to 35, 34, 31. I mean, they were scoring points. Their just defense was terrible. Uh, they went, they, in the three years prior, they averaged between 405 to uh, 0.8 to 413 yards per game. In his three years there, if you take out the hurricane game, they averaged between 444.9 points per game and 466.4 points per game. In the modern era, which is World War II to now, Notre Dame has had two offenses that averaged over 200 yards per game rushing and 250 yards per game passing. One of them was in the 70s, and I think it was 70s. I'd have to go back and look at it again, to be honest. I don't even want to say it because I put it on the message board. I'd have to go back and look at it again. But the other one was 2015. Under Mike Denbrock. That year, Notre Dame, the, Notre Dame went uh yards per play, 6'1, 7064. The 7.02 in the in the uh, in 2015 set a modern day yards per play record. That that now modern day means from World War, the end of World War or the beginning of World War or no end of World War II to now. Okay. And then uh and we saw balance. I mean, Notre Dame rushed for uh 207.9 yards per game in 2015, 258.5 uh, passing that year. Uh, Cincinnati in the two years prior, or the year year before he arrived, they were scoring 19.3 points per game. And by the, his last two years, 20 and 21, they were up to 37.5 and 38.6.9. 
In his last four years, they averaged between 172.6 rushing yards per game, and then the other three years they were 208, 212, and 239. And and then it and then jumped up, so obviously jumped up significantly. So in the, at, the, at those schools, he didn't have quite the passing attack that he had at Notre Dame because he didn't have the quarterback like Everett Golson or Deshaun Kaiser until really his last couple of years. And then you saw a lot more balance uh, from that offense, yeah. especially in Desmond Ritter's last year, because you and I weren't super high on Desmond Ritter coming into that 2021 season. And he was much better that season. Oh, yeah. And the offense became a much like better. 30 passing touchdowns team. that year. Yes. Right? 30 and nine, so. that, 30 yeah. and eight that season. Yeah. And also had, I think, six rushing touchdowns that season. He had a couple well. of money throws against Notre Dame, unfortunately, oh, in that, that game corner well, route. So, yeah, yeah, that corner route to beat Kyle Hamilton and then the scene throw in the, in the, the second Leonard Taylor. Quarter. Yeah, yeah. The, when it was like, yeah. I think it was like 10 to nothing and Notre Dame, you know, hey, it's right before half. Then at LSU, the year before he gets hired at LSU, they averaged 26.5 points per game, 368.5 uh, uh, yards per game, 5.4 yards per play, and they averaged 114.1 rushing yards per game. In his first season at LSU, so even before this year, they they jumped up eight points to 34.5 points per game, despite a, you know what LSU fans say was a very challenging schedule. 400, they went from 368.5 yards per game to 453 yards per game. They went from 5.4 yards to play to 6.4 yards per play. They went from 114 rushing yards to 183.7 rushing yards. 3.3 yards per carry to 5.0 yards per carry. And then, of course, this year they made another huge jump from 46.4 points per game, 547.8 yards per game, by 8.5 yards per play, 213.5 yards per carry. And I would argue he did those these last two years when an, with an offensive line that wasn't a great run-blocking offensive line and a very unhealthy running back room. Literally, they just couldn't stay healthy the last two years. Now, you benefited from having a quarterback that could be mobile. But my whole point is, but you use that to your advantage. You know, Everett Golson was a different type of player than Deshaun Kaiser or Malik Zaire. And he adjusted to that, adapted to that. And that's something that that we'll discuss a little bit further in some of the questions is Mike Dembrock has run variation. He has run different offenses at each of his three stops. It's looked different. And, and and there's been some influence from the head coach in certain areas and things like that. But it was like it, the Notre Dame offense looked different from the Cincinnati, Cincinnati offense, which looked different from the LSU offense. Right. And a lot of it was because they would tailor themselves to the talent they had. At Cincinnati, they had a quarterback that was a little inaccurate, but he was a good athlete. And so they were a really good running team in the two years prior to, to 2021 when they made the playoff. So they were 239 and a half rushing yards, 208, 212.4. You remember that one year with Hayden Moore at quarterback and who was the running back? They had a really dynamic running back in, uh, What's Cincinnati? in 2018 at Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the kid's name. Oh, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. It was before Jerome Ford. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. Jerome Ford. Uh, it was so 2019. It was Michael Warren. That's who it was. Oh, Michael, oh, Michael Warren was a yeah. monster. Yeah. He's a little tough yeah. dude, yeah. And yeah. then they had Jared Dokes, who had over 500 yards that year. Desmond Ritter had over 600 yards. And in 2020, they averaged 212 yards per game. Ryan, their leading rusher, had 673 yards. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it was a, it was a group. It was a group effect. It was a group impact that season. They had three different players with at least seven rushing touchdowns. In 2021, they had more of a home run back situation. And then a really good receiving core. So they dropped down to 172 yards per game, but they were still 5.2 yards per rush, and they became, became a much better passing team. Desmond Ritter throws for 3,334 yards, 30 touchdowns, eight picks that season. And uh, and, and I, I would argue and have always argued that he they got more out of him than he was than his otherwise ability should have warranted. Did a great job coaching coaching that football team. So, look, there's a lot to like, Ryan, and, and there's a proven track record. Even if you want to take yep. LSU out of the table because you think it was more generated by Jane Daniels, I would say, well, why did we never see this from Jane Daniels before? <laughs> right. Even coaches don't get any coaches right. don't get any credit for Jane Daniels being good right. this year. Like, okay, right. all right. Uh, sure. But then I just say, go look at what did Cincinnati last two years, twenty two and two. Last two years, their losses were to Georgia and Bama. That's it. That's it. You know, and and then you look at what he did at Notre Dame. And, you know, how often do we talk about, boy, if like how many times have we said on this show? First of all, you all know my feelings on Mike Denbrock as a person. I've, I've spoken about this. I've talked about the job he did for years. But the thing I've always said, we, how many times we said, if Notre Dame would have had a legit defensive coordinator in 2015, that team could have played for a title. Why? Because the offense was big time. 
big time, and he was running it. And so I don't know who where this notion that he wasn't running the offense in 2015 is coming from, but that's just not even true, not even remotely true. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this is this is a great and and here's the thing too, Ryan, and, and I know you'll have some articles on this. He was a dog on the recruiting trail. Notre Dame. I don't know what he's done as a recruiter since then in LSU. I, I can't speak. To, I know we have a couple of LSU fans in the chat that are being real cool and respectful, and we appreciate that. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on what he did as a recruiter, but I, I haven't just paid attention to his recruiting. But I know he was a dog at Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. I mean, that dude, and sure. at my age, I don't know what dog means for young people, but my age, that's that's an, that's a compliment. I mean, you you get after it. You know what I mean? And and yeah. Landis, I mean. Ronnie Stanley, Kavari Russell, Equinemy St. Brown, T. Shepard. I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the big-time players. Javon McKinley, that he had a direct role in recruiting. Will Fuller, uh, you know, that guy got some dudes. And I say Ronnie Stanley because at the time, remember, Notre Dame was doing more regional recruiting. You had your region as opposed to positions. So he was getting all those kids off the West Coast. Stanley, Kavari, EQ, Javon McKinley, all those guys were a big reason why Mike Dembrock, you know, Mike Dembrock was a big reason for it. You know, and I've, I've yeah. shared the story about T. Shepard before on this show about how LSU was trying to basically kind of hold him or USC was trying to hold him into place and not let him go do his in-home with, with, with Denbrock in Notre Dame. So Denbrock goes to where they are, sits down at the table with the LSU, USC coach, and it's like, what's up, fellas? You know what I mean? It just was like, like, dude, that's a savage move. Like Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron are like, they don't know what to do. You know what I mean? It was beautiful. Um, but he, but at the end of the day, too, also, guys, this is important. You will, And I've said this before. This isn't me just saying this now. This is something, Ryan, I've been on record saying multiple times since we started this channel. You're, this is also one of the best human beings that you'll meet in this business. One of the just the, the – I'll share a story. I, I've said this one, I believe, before. I was talking with Coach Dembrock at one point in time, and I was just letting him know. I was like, you know, I was looking for advice – a, a guy on our board at the time had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Well, Coach Dembrock battled prostate cancer in his life at one point in time. And so I'm asking Coach D, like, hey, I don't, I don't know what advice to tell this guy. So he asked me for the guy's contact information. And he reaches out, gives the guy some advice, encourages him, talks to him. And the guy was like, man, it's just like change that guy's world, man. Just It was just, I mean, who's this guy at Notre Dame reaching out to some dude he's never heard of who's a, who's a you know, quote unquote, nobody in, in that regard. And now the guy was not a nobody. He was somebody, but like in the scheme of how we perceive, you know, this is a famous person who does all these type of things, but that's just who he is. That's the kind of guy he is. And when I told him about the reaction, he was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm humble that I can help. I mean, it was, it wasn't even, and you won't ever hear him telling that story or anything like that, that I, I had to tell that story. Because that's just who he is. So you're not just getting a guy that has a proven track record who has coached offensive line, tight ends, quarterbacks, and wide receivers in his career as well. And he was a defensive coordinator at the Division II level. So this is a yeah. football coach, Ryan. This is a football cool. coach. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. There's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash irish this is the best time of the year it's bowl season and christmas is right around the corner so whether you're looking for tickets to the sun bowl to watch notre dame take on oregon state or looking for tickets to a christmas concert or comedy show or just looking for a great last minute gift game time is the place for you 
With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Well, I think that I think that makes the fit so much easier because we've always I mean, I remember we talked about it last year, Brian, right? Because we're like, you know, the offensive coordinator, because like Alex Atkins was a guy that the name got brought up last year. And we're just like, well, you already have an offensive line coach, though. Like, what's he gonna coach? You know what I mean? Like trying to fit the square peg in a round hole from the position coach perspective. Literally, Coach Dembrock has been a tight ends coach. I mean, it's perfect, right? That's what you need right now. You need a tight ends coach, and then obviously you need an offensive coordinator. I think the fit just makes so much sense. He's also been in Notre Dame, so he understands the just the day to day, the on campus stuff, like everything. And you know, and and I think that it's great that he also will know because we talked about this last year. Marcus Freeman does need to bring in guys that he trusts, right? And the fact that you have a big-time offensive coordinator that's had a lot of success, that literally coached with you for multiple years and coached with your wide receiver coach for multiple years and your quarterback coach for multiple years and your cornerback coach for multiple years, like, that's comfort, man. And that I think that's what makes it obviously just a tremendous fit. It And we'll talk about this schematically more when everything's official, but mm -hmm. the greatest thing, cause I was actually listening to the lucky lefty podcast for a little bit earlier and they had Cam McDaniel oh, on Malik is fired up. And Malik. Well, one thing yeah. they said, Brian, I think literally, I think it might've been Cam McDaniel that said it. He's like scheme wise. Like it's nothing like crazy. It's just that he understands who his playmakers are right. and he curtails everything to those playmakers to get right. them involved. And you were talking about that earlier. It's like some years that might be your running back. Some years, right. that's Malik Neighbors. Some years, that's Brian Thomas. Some years, that's going to be your big-time dual-threat quarterback. Like, whoever the playmakers are offensively, no matter where he's been, Coach Denbrock has showed that when he knows who his guy is offensively, mm -hmm. his star, his playmaker, he can get him the football. And well, I think that's what Notre Dame needs more of. It's not scheme-driven. It's those yeah. dudes are dudes. Let's get those dudes involved. Let's get them space. Let's make them their playmakers that they can be. Well, even if you just look at 2014 to 2015, how Will Fuller's role changed from 14 to 15. Will's first breakout season of 14. And let's not forget, he was the receivers coach on those teams as well. But Will goes and has a year where he has 76 catches, 1,100-some yards, 15 touchdowns, lots of tunnel screens, quick game. They'd take some deep shots, but it was, you know, certainly took some deep shots. I remember Everett hitting him on a, on a I think, a go ball or a post route against Rice the first game of the season. They'd throw deep to him, but it was – a because Everett was was a guy that you know get the ball out quickly and and those type of things and so his role changed. Well, the next year, Malik Zaire is going to be the quarterback, and so it's built around hey, let's be more balanced. We're going to run the football. We're going to throw the ball down the field. And you come out that first game against Texas, and it is a masterclass of offensive football, getting him the football, getting Amir Carlisle the football, and and in that game they lost their starting running back, and they had to adapt and adjust to what they were going to do. And the next game, they lose their starting quarterback. And you have this team that you built the whole offseason, you built around Malik Zaire. And then you can see the offense evolve as they kind of go through the season. And it starts to fit a little bit more the things that Deshaun could do that weren't better or worse than Malik, but just were different. And, and so to be able to have the best offense we've seen at Notre Dame in a long, long time and do so where you did almost all year with your backup quarterback, your backup tight end, and, your, and, and you, you didn't have your starting running back again, speaks volumes about the job he did because, again, it's not like Lincoln Riley where it's going to be like a million, like, wow, what crazy stuff. But he understands how to use formations and personnel to create isolations in the pass game. 
and in the run game. And that's important, right? Like you said, it's like, look, we have this matchup that we like in this game. Let's take advantage of it. You know, we yeah. have some, and, and he's not afraid to go at, at your do. If he has somebody he believes, and he's not going to be afraid of the defense. And I, a perfect example, that's 2015. USC goes right down the field and scores. He takes Will Fuller. I think it was Fuller that went in motion. And I'm actually going to go look that up because let me let me just give me let me look this up real quick, Ryan. But you know, it, it's one of those things where he'll he'll move guys around if it's going to get you into a matchup that 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 he likes, and he'll do some different things creatively that you know to me are are what Notre Dame needs more of. He'll mix up the run game. You know, we've seen him you know, be creative with the things that they'll do in the run game. And so, but he's also not going to run a system that it's like, let me show everyone how smart I am, which is what you and I have been begging for. You don't have to be the most innovative, creative coach in the in the planet. You just have to be someone who's willing to say, hey, these are my dudes. Let me teach these yep. kids how to play the game of football. And, and, and we're going to, we're going to be pretty good. So, Agreed. yes. So, um, no, what they did was Will Fuller was outside. They brought Amir Carlisle in motion, and when they did that, the safety came down on Amir, which opened up the post route over top to Will. That's what it was. I knew that they did something with motion to open it up, but who was that first? Who did they target on that first play? It was a Dory Jackson. It's like, I don't care if you have a Dory Jackson. I don't care if you have this all-American corner. We have Will Fuller. We're going to come at you. You know, and right. I think of the Clemson game when the first half, the offense is struggling and 15 struggling. It's raining. You know, their offense can't really get any going. Second half, he makes adjustments and they come out and they just go up and down the field on Clemson in that second half. And, yep. and just it's like, OK, we have a vertical oriented pass attack. So they come back and start doing levels in the second half, getting Will Fuller open on crossers, Chris Brown open on crossers. And, uh, you know, it just was one of those things where like, look. Things didn't go how we thought they were going to go. We got to adjust. And then just second half of that game against a really good Clemson defense, they just couldn't stop them. I mean, you had, yep. if, if everybody talks about the two-point conversion that they could have tied the game at the end. They were down 14-3 at halftime. They have a chance to score. Tie. But we people forget Chris Brown fumbled inside the second inside the five-yard line in that game and gave Clemson the football. So, yep. you, you know, the the Fiesta Bowl that year, you don't have – C.J. Price gets hurt early. You're missing some guys. I mean, they couldn't stop Ohio State, but what some people forget is that was the one big game where you kind of felt like Notre Dame could actually move the ball and score despite being banged up. I mean, it was 28-21 at one point in time. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so um, I just I'm, – I'm fired up about it, man. I just – I'm, I'm – this is, this is a good move. This is a good – and he's and also not the kind of person – or I'll say this last thing, I'm sorry – He's also not the kind of person that has that kind of personality where he has to be the guy. Everybody sure. shut up. I'm the man. He's someone right. who who will say, Hey, this Dylan McCullough guy, this guy knows his stuff. Let me, let me, let me take advantage of that expertise. You yeah. know, and those those are those are things that um, you know, those are things that I'm excited about. And I would say that the the comforts as a Notre Dame fan for a second and an analyst also, but the last two offensive coordinators Notre Dame has had, Brian, was two pretty inexperienced offensive coordinators. I mean, literally, Tom Reese's first offensive coordinator job was at Notre Dame. He was still a very young guy. Then you went with Jared Parker, who was really a first-year offensive coordinator, and there were inconsistencies over the last couple of years. Because of that, you know, in the big games at moments and just, you know, just on a day-to-day -day perspective, like from a game-to-game -game perspective, there were inconsistencies. I think as a Notre Dame fan, it gives me solace and it gives me comfort in knowing that you went opposite of what you just were in the fact that now you have a very experienced, seasoned offensive coordinator yes. who's been there, done that. Like, I was okay. with Like, if Kirby Moore would have been the guy... I would have been happy. I'd have been fired up. 100%. I'd have been fired up, yeah. I would have been very happy. Yeah. I think he's a very bright young mind. But the fact that you're getting a guy that has been there, done that at multiple spots, and been successful in multiple spots, that gives me the confidence that, like, hey, he's going to be able to get here, and there's going to be stability built into this there, offensive There staff. you go. That's probably is, not. Right? Like, if Kirby Moore goes and lights it up next year at Notre Dame, yeah. in a year or two, he's probably gone. Most likely. I mean, yeah. guys, Jared maybe Parker after next year, honestly. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, Jared Parker just got the head coaching job at Troy after one solid season. I think he did yeah. better than others, but it wasn't like light the world on fire, you know, especially in the big games. 
Mike Denbrock doesn't strike me as that kind of guy that he's just going to up and bolt just because he gets some, you know, he's not leaving their name for the Troy job. And that's not a knock on Jared Parker. Jared Parker's much younger and has different aspirations at this point in time. And I'm, I'm happy as heck for Jared Parker. So please don't take this as a shot at Jared Parker at all. It's just that they're different places in their careers. And so if that opportunity, yes. if an opportunity likes that comes along, I just don't know that that's something that's going to be super attractive to Mike Denbrock. Plus with the money he's going to be making, if what I'm hearing is even remotely close to accurate, he would have to take a pretty significant pay cut to take a job at a place like that. So yeah. uh, a, a lot to like about it. And um, man, I'm just, I'm fired up. Oh, and here's a final piece to this, Ryan, too. It's huge. When you look at the presence of Riley Leonard, CJ Carr, yes. Kenny Minchie, and Deuce Knight, Denbrock is a coach who's proven tracker with those type of players. And now they're a little different, right? So like Kenny Minchie has a little bit of Everett Golson in him, not the runner, but like just the kind of the gunslinger. He's had success with that. You know, uh, Deuce Knight has a lot of I mean, different body types, but a lot of Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire in him, right? Jaden Daniels, he's, he's shown he can win with that type of quarterback. And so, you know, uh, Desmond Ritter is another dual threat guy. When his offenses have been at their best, He's had dual threat quarterbacks, and yep. that's what Notre Dame wants. But Leonard is, yes, which is what Deuce Knight it's what is. Deuce, yeah. But he's also someone who's shown that even if he doesn't have a a quote unquote dual threat guy, but at least a good athlete like CJ Carr, like Kenny Minchie, he has no problem building an offense that drops back, drops back, and throws the football. And we saw that with Everett Golson in 2014. Yep. So uh, there's there's a lot to like, a lot to like about this hire. Ryan and um, I agree. Uh, just a great, a great move for Notre Dame. And, and it's yep. again, I'll say it again. It's a statement hire. I, I, I'm so fired hire. because that's Power the biggest move. thing. It's a statement fire. It is a hire. It is a, we're letting the college football world, all this crap you thought about us. And that that's not who yep. we are. This is who you, we are. You, need, you needed that type of example. I think yes. too. And Marcus Freeman, like, I mean, Marcus Freeman, because Marcus Freeman is that very like stern, competitive, confident guy, but you need a couple of those power moves where you're like, we're here to play boys. We're not going anywhere. I think that's hundred percent. And for this, and I've already done it on Twitter a little bit, right? I, on this podcast though, I'm just going to be excited and I'm going to be optimistic because I think that this is a great hire on Twitter. If you want to follow me at rise and draft, I'm going to be super petty and throw shade at mm -hmm. Brian Kelly because he lost his guy. I'm going to do that on Twitter on here. Not as much. That's a great like cherry on top. Well, I mean, but I'll say it. Core, I mean, yeah. I'll say this, Ryan. I've given you my intel and, and what I know. I don't yeah. know that this is true. This is just my opinion, borderline wish. I don't think that that it was lost on Jack Swarbrick that one of his final moves as AD is this higher and what it means. Yeah. that Because remember what Brian Kelly said. They wouldn't support me. They wouldn't give me what I needed. So he said, so Jack Swerber said, really? First of all, that's complete BS. I've said that all along. I mean, I, this is the whole thing. I've said this. Jack Swarbrick had as much, if not more, to do with the post-2016 turnaround than Brian Kelly. Because Brian Kelly was looking sure. for jobs to leave when Jack Swarbrick and his team were out looking for Mike Elko and Chip Long and those type of guys, right? That's th Those were Jack Swarbrick hires much more so than Brian Kelly hires. And when nobody hired yeah. Brian Kelly, then Brian Kelly's like, okay, cool. Well, well, and that's from the horse's mouths with some of those hires. It's like, yeah, I, I talked to Kelly kind of towards the end, but Swarbrick and his guy at the time were the ones that primarily talked to me until we kind of got down to, you know, this thing was kind of getting close, you know, close and I was going to do my interview and all that kind of stuff. So that's just, those are facts. And you talk about the yeah. facility upgrades. You talk about the scheduling, getting Kelly weaker schedules, softer schedules, all those different type of things that Jack Swarbrick did. That resulted in why Brian Kelly was in his first seven years, had two years with 10 plus wins and had nothing but 10 plus wins in his last four. Right. Yeah. That it, that's what it kind of coincided with. So yeah, I'm not going to support you really. We raised a, a billion dollars to build the indoor facility and, and, and completely renovate the stadium and put new turf on the field and do all these other things you wanted. Notre Dame went from hardly paying their assistant coaches to a top 10 and paying assistant coaches under Kelly. And and I don't support you, okay? Because I didn't give you a chef. 
All right, I'll show you how much I support my head football coaches. I'll give my head football coach whatever he needs to take your offensive coordinator from you because because he just he's the best in the biz right now. That that I I I look. There's no way in my this is 100 my opinion. There's no way that that didn't cross Jack Swarbrick's mind. Look, this is a competitive, arrogant guy, and most people to be to achieve what he's achieved in life. You have to have that. You can't just be a sure. you have to be competitive. You have to have you have to be really, really sure of yourself and really, really confident sure. in yourself. And so I don't say arrogant disrespectfully. I'm arrogant in a lot of ways. I mean, I just I try not I try to I try to present it a little differently than I used to when I was younger and a little bit more hot headed. But I, 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 I tell I tell my wife it's myself. called extreme confidence. It's not there arrogant. you go. It's called extreme and, and so like there's no way that's lost on Jack Swarbrick. No way. Sure. No sure. way that wasn't that was lost on him. Now, is he doing this just because of that? No. Like if 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 he would have wanted another OC that he had to pay the same amount of dollars, I don't think Jack's from like, nah, no, we're not doing that. We're only going to do that if you poach Mike Denbrock. No, I think he would have done it no matter who Marcus Freeman wanted. It just so happened that who Marcus Freeman wanted from the jump was Mike Denbrock. Yeah. Right. And I, but I don't think that is lost on Jack Swarbrick that my, one of my final moves is that. And, and my, my, my final petty thing that I'll get into before, I guess we're going to transition to a mailbag because we're going to talk deeper about oh, yeah. this when, Tons when of he is officially hired and officially, you know, on board as the offense. Yeah. We'll break down the offense and all that good stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love the LSU fans on Twitter that are coping hard right now with the, oh, Joe Sloan was the next guy in anyway. This is actually a blessing in disguise. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. That's all I have to say, man. I'm ready to get in the mailbag. Everybody else is. Yeah. Before we do, though, hit the like button for us. Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you hit that notification bell at the bottom of the screen if you're listening to us on YouTube. Breakdown.com for your latest recruiting and team intel. And you go to irishbreakdown.com if you just want to read some of the great articles that we have out there as well. Five-star reviews on any of your favorite podcast platforms as well would be very much appreciated. We're going to go to the mailbag next here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.